My name is Mark Willis, and my SEG DISC class seeks to help people basically build a deep, intuitive understanding of the basis of distributed acoustic sensing measurement technology. Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off in depth conversations in applied geophysics. In this episode, Mark Willis discusses his upcoming Distinguished Instructor Short Course, Distributed Acoustic Sensing for Seismic Measurements, What Geophysicists and Engineers Need to Know. Geoscientists and engineers are very comfortable using seismic data sets acquired with geophones, hydrophones, and accelerometers because they have a long, well-defined set of standards for acquiring, processing, and interpreting them. However, DAS seismic measurements are rapidly augmenting and in some cases, replacing the data from these conventional tools. In this conversation, Mark helps geoscientists and engineers build intuition and understanding of DAS seismic technology's value, limitations, and applications. Mark also discusses the most common objective to DAS, when DAS is better than conventional seismic acquisition, and tips for someone planning their first DAS seismic survey. Mark will be teaching this course for the first time at IMAGE, and this is a great preview of the valuable, insightful, and helpful tools and resources you will gain from this course. And now my conversation with Mark Willis. Your short course is entitled Distributed Acoustic Sensing for Seismic Measurements, What Geophysicists and Engineers Need to Know. That's a great tease there. What is the most common objection you hear about utilizing DOS for seismic measurements? Well, first of all, uh, I say DAS. A lot of people say DAS. So <laughs> I always go back and forth. I feel like every time I say it, I'm like, that does not sound like I want it to sound like. <laughs> so, um, I mean, one the one thing is, what are we talking about? So DAS is what I'm going to say. The biggest concern really is whether or not the signal quality is good enough for their particular application. And so that's not really an objection, but it's a worry. It's a concern. The quality of DAS data is rapidly improving. The, the early data that we recorded in the, you know, like 2010, 2011, 2013 was pretty dubious. It showed a lot of promise, but it certainly was extremely noisy. You had to have a lot of faith that something good was going to come out of this. But we've made really great strides in the technology in the last decade to where, I mean, really DAS data is rivaling high quality geophone data. Our DAS interrogator hardware is rapidly evolving. Our fiber optic cables are being deployed in more innovative manners. And our processing methodologies are greatly advancing, which, you know, all put together provides for amazing capabilities to acquire excellent DAS data sets. What were the main themes you wanted to explore when developing this course? Well, first of all, you know, there are, there are many applications for using DAS for seismic measurements, but also for a wide range of other topics. And we get tunneled into our little corner and we don't typically see them. So, you know, there are applications like monitoring whales in the ocean, polar bears walking around in Greenland, intrusion detections for buildings and infrastructures, dams and so forth, uh, vehicle and pedestrian movements, and even volcanic activity. And that's just to name a few of them. So it's really valuable for us to know about this technology because it has such a wide application base. And we, I mean, we really need to know about this because so many strides are being made across, the, across many different industries. So second, there are many papers and presentations out there 
about using DAS for seismic measurements. I wanted to stress the basics of the measurement itself. Why is it important to understand the impact of selecting the DAS acquisition parameters? How do they actually affect the seismic wavelet and the seismic signal quality, for example? And third, I wanted to present the material using different approaches. We each have our preferred method of learning. For some, it's listening to a presentation. For others, it's maybe reading. Yet for others, it's watching animations like movies. But for most people, the best approach is just by doing it. So I'll be making verbal descriptions of the DAS technology for those that like to listen. For readers, there's the book that accompanies the class. I've created many hopefully interesting visual animations uh, to demonstrate the concepts and ideas. And I've also created an open source set of software that will allow the attendees to learn by doing. Yeah, you really went above and beyond there, just creating, there's just no excuse not to try to understand this material and, and start to, to use it in your own work, possibly. You know, what are, what are some top reasons to learn more about DAS for someone well-versed in, let's say, conventional seismic acquisition techniques? Well, in many ways, you know, after, after DAS seismic datas, data sets are acquired, they're handled pretty much like conventional seismic data. However, I mean, there are really some key decisions that need to be made about the acquisition process itself. The choice of the fiber, its topology, of the interferometer gauge length. These are all strongly dependent upon the application. Ultra low frequency applications like monitoring earthquakes or low frequency applications, say monitoring, uh, recording deep, fast Gulf of Mexico seismic data will allow the use of longer gauge lengths. On the other hand, micro seismic monitoring, which is a very high frequency and slow velocity formations will require much shorter gauge lengths. So it's, really important to be able to tailor the application to the anticipated location and purpose of the survey. My goal is to provide attendees with the needed tools to be able to understand how to make those decisions. What are some of the primary trade-offs a technologist must be aware of when considering DAS seismic technology? Well, the goal of any seismic acquisition survey is to obtain high-quality, low-noise data with the appropriate frequency bandwidth. Some of the methods for improving the signal quality have to do with the DAS hardware itself. The signal to noise ratio of optical signals can be improved by selecting optical fibers, for example, with better scattering characteristics. But this must be balanced by their additional cost. In addition, longer gauge lengths can be used to improve the optical signal quality. However, on the other side, longer gauge lengths can harm the frequency content of the measured seismic signals. So the seismic wavelet should be modeled using the expected formation properties and the desired frequency content to select the longest gauge length that still preserves the needed bandwidth. Another aspect of DAS measurements is that they are inherently single component measurements. Most conventional VSP data are acquired with three component geophones. Thus, DAS VSP data should be modeled to make sure that the single component data will be sufficient for the application. For surface seismic recordings, straight fiber cables will only allow recording of one horizontal component of motion. And, and this is in striking contrast with you know, our vertical component geophones that we use for exploration seismics. So again, 
modeling this is really critical. Is using DAS always better than using conventional seismic acquisition techniques? There are many advantages of using DAS technology. The fiber itself tends to be much cheaper than geophones. Also, because with DAS, you typically get a measurement every meter or so, the trace spacing is much more dense than geophone coverage. This means that slow velocity events will be captured without aliasing. So it's usually much cheaper to acquire DAS data than geophone data. It's also possible to deploy fiber in hostile locations where geophones won't survive. However, there's some issues to consider, like the single component measurement nature of DAS data, which make it unsuitable for some applications. It's interesting to think about uh, environments where geophones would not survive. Uh, that's, uh, that's an important thing to consider there. What are some tips for someone planning and preparing for their possible first DAS seismic survey? Well, first, it's really critical to develop a list of the important key survey parameters for your application. What are the formation velocities? What's the geometry of the fiber? Is it going to be deployed in a borehole? or on the surface, for example? And then what's the needed bandwidth, the seismic data? What's the application? What, what do we need to be able to visualize with that? And second, it's important to simulate the acquired seismic wavelet to determine the appropriate gauge length. And then finally, it's very helpful to perform seismic modeling and migration to determine if the proposed acquisition plan will actually image the reservoir adequately for the purpose of the survey. You know, fibers have come up quite a bit in this conversation. Is handling fiber optic cables different from standard electrical cables? Very, very, very much so indeed. You don't want to have an electrician deploying your fiber cables. Electrical cables are very forgiving and easily repaired. Fiber optic cables are actually pretty fragile in the sense that they can't be bent around sharp corners, for example, or they'll incur really large optical losses. Also, it's a lot more involved to splice optical cables, and they require specialized skills and equipment. Uh, the skill that must be learned and the expensive equipment must be acquired for that. Are there people working on developing standards for how and when to use DAS? Well, the, the CFOAM organization is an international standards body helping the oil and gas industry to use fiber optic monitoring technology. In the, I'll say the early days, in the wild, wild west, each DAS vendor was free to invent their own view of the technology. And this led to the potential of confusing measurement units and descriptions of the technology. With Seafoam in place as a joint industry forum, these companies involved in DAS technology meet and form a consensus on the methods and terminology. You know, your course materials use the word intuition a lot in that the course is designed to build intuition around the value and application of DAS seismic technology. Could you explain what you hope that looks like for a student after completing this course? Well, there, there are literally thousands of papers and presentations available on DAS technology. And unfortunately, it's hard to easily piece together a complete picture of DAS technology, and that's for several different reasons. First, the material is spread out in many disconnected sources to which not everyone has access, you know, from the fiber optic space to the seismic space to the monitoring infrastructure space. I mean, there's a lot of different uh, journals and 
um, resources out there. And second, most of the materials are centered on some actual study that was performed and not really on the technology itself. So as such, you know, when an equation is given and says, here, this is a cool thing, uh, this is what we used, it tends to be isolated and really without much context for the reader. And third, there aren't very many tools out there for people to use to model and I'll say experience DAS for themselves. So in this course, I attempt to bring together the relevant resources in a coherent fashion, hopefully with interesting animations and a software playground for the student to enjoy and explore. Yeah, that software playground could really be invaluable for the people that that come to your talk. In general, why do you find yourself enjoying mentoring technologists? Well, I, I've learned over my career that you can invent a lot of really wonderful things. Uh, solutions to technical problems. But if you haven't brought people along with you on your journey, it really has no impact. People don't get it. They don't buy into it. Uh, they don't know what the value is. So the greatest contribution, therefore, will be to mentor others so they can use those solutions. And then, in fact, we all win at that point. I really love the moment when you see in your colleague that light bulb go on, when they finally see what's being taught, it's, it's a really satisfying moment for me. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Who is the perfect audience for this talk? I spent a lot of time trying to figure out who that was going to be. <laughs> and um, I, you could go after the expert, you could go after the novice. What I'm hoping is that the application here or the audience is anyone who's really interested in purchasing, acquiring, or using DAS seismic measurements, they'll benefit from the course. Uh, from people who don't really know what DAS is about to those who currently use the DAS technology, I think the comprehensive overview will allow the attendees to finally put it all together, put all those pieces of the DAS puzzle into a coherent. They don't just see a corner of it, they see the, the whole picture. So after the attendees start to get a, a fuller picture of DAS, what is a question that you hope they, they ask themselves after your presentation? Wow, why didn't somebody show this to me all before? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe better yet, um, you know, where's that DAS data set we collected last year? How can I apply what I just learned to see if we acquired it properly? Does it have limitations? And where's that new project that could use DAS technology? How can I use this technology to make sure that we acquire it properly? That would be exciting to go back to and, and find out the answers to those questions. And, and lastly here, what principle, teaching, or point of view has helped you succeed in your field? I think, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of people with advice on how to succeed. <laughs> I guess what I've, ultimately, I think what is the most important is to seek out trustworthy collaborators. Collaboration really is keys to, to your success. And then, of course, part of the collaboration is to make sure that you acknowledge the contribution from each of the team member. People love to work with you when they're confident they'll receive credit for their efforts, but they'll shy away from you and run, in fact, if they don't think you're um, worthy of trust and you won't hold their contribution as valuable. Is there any other final remarks you'd like to share with the audience? I'm really excited about giving this class because I think the material is focused on what geophysicists and engineers need to know. It covers DAS technology from the point of view of the ultimate geophysical product. 
Why do I need to know this stuff? What happens if I acquire DAS data poorly? How can I model and predict what the ultimate DAS product will be? So I will present the material, hopefully in a very systematic way, starting with the applications, what is it good for, and then describing the pieces of the technology that fit together to perform this, you know, to create this product. And then I'll show how to select the DAS acquisition parameters. I attempt to give some guidance for the field deployment of the technology. And along the way, I have five open source software applications to help attendees understand the DAS technology in a hands-on fashion. And I hope your listeners will consider attending the course. And that first course is going to be at Image. So if you are attending Image, it will be the perfect opportunity to, to take this class. And I'm sure more dates will be added soon. Uh, but we will link to that, uh, those dates of his disk talk as well as, as Image. So if you are there, you can add this and get a head start on all the learning before Image kicks in full gear. So Mark, I appreciate you sharing about your course and, and saying a little bit more about it. it. It's going to be an exciting topic and people will... Sounds like it's going to be well worth their time. Well, thank you for the opportunity to uh, give a little overview. And thanks for asking great questions that allows the content of the class to be exposed to, to your listeners. So thanks so much. SEG produces Seismic Sound Off to benefit its members, the scientific community, and inform the public on the value of geophysics. To show your support for this show, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Simply go to Seismic Sound Off on Apple Podcasts and Spotify on your phone. It takes less than five seconds to leave a five-star rating and is the number one action you can take to show your appreciation for this free resource. And follow the podcast while you are on the app to be notified when each new episode releases. Original music created by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Andrew Gary at 51 Features. The SEG podcast team is Jennifer Cobb, Kathy Gamble, and Ali McGinnis. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.